Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God for our meditation this evening is found in Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Thus far, God's holy word. In the name of Christ, who is our way, our truth, and our life, dear fellow redeemed. So far, we have been considering our overall theme, God on trial. In the first week, we saw how Jesus showed restraint in the Garden of Eden. By not using the full authority of his power, he gave himself to this arrest in order to go to trial, to go to the cross, and to die. Last week we considered accusations. All the accusations that were laid against our Savior, all the accusations that we lay against God. Those were all taken by our Savior on the cross. God accused Him of all our sin so that not one of Satan's accusations could fall on us. This evening we consider our next theme, God on trial, misconceptions. It has been said that you hear something enough, you are prone to start believing it. This is a truth behind many misconceptions throughout history. One of which is being able to see the Great Wall of China from space. No Apollo astronauts have testified to being able to see this man-made wonder from space. Mount Everest being the tallest mountain. While it might be reach the highest point in the sky, Mount Mauna Kea is taller when measured from the base to the peak. My personal favorite, Napoleon Bonaparte was short. Turns out he was actually five foot seven, 
which was slightly above average for a French man in his day. Most of these misconceptions are harmless. Whether you believe them or not has no real effect on your life. But that is not the case with Scripture. The Bible might just be the one thing that people glean the most misunderstandings from. And these are not simply harmless misunderstandings, but they can be the difference between life and death. Misconceptions in the Bible are not due to the Bible itself, but because when mankind inserts his opinion and his logic ahead of Scripture, misconceptions are bound to happen. The more reason takes over, the more dangerous the error. Jesus himself faced many misconceptions. Most people did not understand who he was or what he came to do, some of which were his very own disciples. Even after Jesus had died and risen from the dead, his disciples asked him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They still thought that he was the one to restore the physical kingdom of Israel when he had actually liberated spiritual Israel from sin and death. Not one person in Jesus' trial before Pilate or Herod understood him. The Sanhedrin, that is the leadership of the Jews, saw Jesus as a threat, as one to be eliminated instead of the one who came to set them free from their sin and to instruct them how to worship God the right way. Pilate saw Jesus as this normal-looking Galilean, whom the Jewish leaders propagated as a supposed king and a threat to Caesar. Herod simply saw Jesus as a second John the Baptist, one who intrigued him and could do miracles, but never understood why those miracles were being done. The only person present at this trial who had no misconceptions was Jesus. He knew exactly why he was there, what was going to happen, and how he was to continue to honor God in the face of his trials. The accusations from the Sanhedrin came in the form of two lies and a half-truth. They claimed that Jesus had spent his ministry misleading the people. In a sense, they were right. Jesus was leading the people away, but not from the truth of Scripture rather from the destructive false teachings of the scribes and Pharisees. Not one time did Jesus lead the people into falsehood, nor were the Pharisees ever able to catch Jesus in a gotcha moment. He continued to testify to the truth as revealed in the Old Testament about exactly who he was. And instead of recognizing him, the leaders of the Jews chose to ignore the truth of his words and present him 
as this deadly threat to Rome. Their second lie was that Jesus is forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. If you recall, Jesus had been asked this question about paying taxes to Caesar. His answer shut his enemies down in their tracks. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus honored the role of the government without letting it take priority over God. And yet they spout this complete lie in order to get Pilate to misunderstand Jesus. The third accusation is actually true, but not in the way the Sanhedrin understood it, nor in the way that they hoped Pilate would understand it. He himself is Christ, a king. We know by faith that Christ, that Jesus is a promised Messiah, the king of kings. He is God made flesh who is over all, who is above all. We know by faith that his kingdom is not of this world, but his kingdom is his rule in our hearts through the gospel. The Jews did not understand this about Jesus, and behind this truth that they told was their lie, their goal to get Jesus executed by any means necessary. Despite their best efforts, Pilate finds Jesus to be innocent. The lies do not stick. The half-truth does not stick. Even before Herod, not one misconception stuck to him. But Herod has an interesting reaction to Jesus. While he appears to be happy to have Jesus, it is entirely for the wrong reason. He had heard so much about Jesus' miracles. He wanted to see for himself this new prophet that would be greater than John the Baptist, whom he already had beheaded. And when Jesus didn't perform any miracles, Jesus wasn't what Herod expected him to be. He was disappointed and sent him back to Pilate. Herod's misconception is most like what we tend to be. Herod had an idea of what he wanted Jesus to be. But when it turned out that Jesus did not fit that mold, Herod simply had no use for him. That's a temptation for us, isn't it? Do we not often want God on our own terms? God, I will turn away from gambling, getting drunk and swearing if you give me this promotion at work. Or whatever it might be. God becomes someone that we think we can barter with. And our behavior is this bartering chip. God does not answer our prayer in the way that we want or He seems to be ignoring us. Well then, we simply send him away, disappointed, because he is not the God that we wanted. Misconceptions are very much alive and well among Christians. 
God is actually accepting of my behavior. He doesn't care what I do as long as I repent it at some point. These sort of misconceptions are dangerous because by them, we are attempting to change God. God is very clear about who He is. He is the I Am, the beginning and the end, the Lord, and there is no other God. He is the one who does not change, nor does His law. His eternal decree is this, be perfect for the Lord your God and perfect. And the soul that sins shall die. It is foolish for us to try and barter with God or to try and change Him by what we think is right. That is a very quick way to lose a gift of salvation that Jesus died to win us. But if you remember, there's one person in this account who did not have any misconceptions. Jesus was faced with falsehood after falsehood. And it would have been easy for him to set the record straight, prove his innocence beyond a doubt, and make Pilate release him. But he didn't do any of that. Why? Because he knew exactly why this was happening. He was despised and forsaken of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. All this was foretold in the Old Testament. It was part of his suffering, his humiliation, it was necessary for him to continue his journey to the cross. He endured these misconceptions because he himself was to be numbered with the transgressors. He was to be wrongly sentenced to death. In God's eyes, he was seen as a worse sinner the world had ever seen. Every single person in this world past, present, and future, had their sins charged to him on his name. Jesus, the innocent Son of God, was blamed for your sins and mine. He was punished by his Father and died to pay their price. Every misconception we have about God or everything that every time we want to wrongly change God, it has been paid for by His blood. To the world, this seems like a mistake, a foolish thing to happen. Why would you sit there when they are falsely accusing you? 
but to you, to me, and to all believers, this is our hope of salvation. It is the very reason that we are here tonight and have a hope to endure this life and eagerly await the one to come. In Pilate's court, God was placed on trial. He faced enough misconceptions to drive anyone to the point of frustration and anger. But rather than giving in to their misconceptions, our Savior went on to show the world exactly who He is. He made it clear that He is not an earthly king, but the King of kings and Savior of the world. Jesus left no doubt so that 2,000 years later, believers can read Luke's account and be certain about what kind of Savior we have. The list of misconceptions in the world today are many. And unfortunately, all too many have fallen victim to misconceptions concerning God and our Savior. Praise the Lord that you have the message of the truth to show that God is love. Jesus left his throne above to die in the place of the sins of the whole world. To show that God is power. By his perfect life and death on the cross, the grave had no power over him, but he rose from the dead. Our God has power even over death. And while the world will continue to put God on trial through misconceptions, we ask that the Holy Spirit grant each of us the courage to become beacons of His truth so that others may receive a clear understanding of who their Lord and Savior is and find the salvation that is through Him. In Jesus' name, amen.